Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Brother Jason, welcome to the DuoCast, my friend. Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here. We're here to recap a few things. We've got the interview with Jeff Fielder, Rebecca Esgris, and also my solo cast. So let's start chronologically with Jeff Fielder. What'd you think of that chat? Oh, I love the interview with Jeff Fielder. Actually did some research and really got into his music over the last week or so. Both his solo stuff and the stuff he's done with his wife, Tecla, is pretty good stuff. Actually bought the album Last Disguise. So there's that. Right on. Yeah, it's a solid record. I think so too. I think what I really like about Jeff is, first of all, he's a multi-instrumentalist and seems very proficient in every instrument that he plays. Mm -hmm. He seems like one of these guys that could probably pick up any instrument and figure it out. And, um, you know, his music is kind of, it's like the swampy, bluesy kind of dark folk music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a definite like, like darkness in some of it, but not all of it. And some of it's pretty upbeat, but I really like the bluesy slide electric guitar with the tremolo effect and the reverb on, on the amp just a little bit. It's a very cool, very cool sound. And, um, it's something that pretty much I could listen to all day long, really. And, uh, you know, the stuff he's recorded with his wife, Tecla Waterfield is pretty amazing. Actually. Um, she has a wonderful voice and when they harmonize together, I think that's pretty magical. Yeah. A totally different vibe on that album too. Yeah. That's what's so cool about Jeff. He's, he's, he's extremely versatile and he also plays, it seems like every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look on his Instagram and his social media feed, that guy is out playing with anyone and everyone in the Seattle area. And if he's you know not touring, he's at home just playing with friends and putting together shows. He's the guy, as you said, at that uh, sleight of hand seller show I went to, he is the Forrest Gump of rock and roll. He is everywhere. Yep. And I think he does it because he truly loves music. He is not there to be the front man in every show that he's in. He's very comfortable as a supporting role. And he wants to provide that backup music. And as he said, he wants to back it up and lay it down. That's right. And uh, no one to hold him and no, no one, one to fold him. him. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool to talk to folks who are comfortable with that role. Mm -hmm. They've been in the music business long enough to know where their highest and best use is. Right. And certainly, you know, he proved with the last disguise solo album that he can do it. He can be the front man. He can write songs and be his own thing, but that's just not where his comfort zone is. He likes to collaborate. Right. Yeah. I was pretty, uh, you know, I, I thought that was pretty strange in the interview that he thought he didn't hold his songwriting in a very high regard. He actually said it wasn't his strong suit. And I, I don't know. I, when I listen to it, I'm thinking this is really good material. And the songs have, I mean, there's something to say there. He's, and he's doing it very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe with him, that's just not where his passion is. Right. And maybe it took a lot of effort to put out that music, to write those songs, to record it. Whereas he prefers to do something that's a little more accessible and comes more naturally to him, which is supporting other people in a band, in, in a tour situation. Yeah. I think you're right. He, uh, he posted 
on social media the other day. He picked up a couple of PV amps and he was jamming through one of them. And it just he just makes it sound really meaty and good. It just sounded really good. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I love gear. I love seeing gear on social media. <laughs> I just mm-hmm, kind of geek out over amps and <laughs> yep. My friend Brian Hughes bought a bass amp at Thunder Road Guitars the other day. Mm. And uh, I just get a kick out of equipment. I, I love buying it. I love when my friends have new equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's something I uh, I could spend an entire weekend doing, which is just oh. playing with a new amp or a new guitar or a new pedal. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way, man. It's dangerous for me to walk into a music store, really. Yeah, especially a place like Thunder Road Guitars or Emerald City Guitars. There's uh, some shops in Seattle that are, I, I just can't go in with a credit card. You know, I, I need to be, <laughs> <laughs> I need to be protected from myself, from my, from my own indulgences. Right. So what did you think of the Rebecca Eskries episode? Another stellar interview, really. I think uh, Rebecca Eskries to me seems like someone who's really just kind of getting started in the biz, even though I know she's been working in the industry for quite some time, just working her way up through different jobs. And I know she was mentored by the late Jonathan Demi, but I think she's really just getting started in terms of writing and directing films. I watched the trailer just to see if I can get a vibe from the film. Mm-hmm. And it kind of starts off like this friendship forming between these two girls that don't know each other who find themselves getting involved with these guys. And they go to a rave and then it kind of goes in this dark direction into like a murder and trying to cover it up or something like that. It looks really, really good. Yeah, it, it was a good film. And I... I enjoyed talking to her about the process because it really came together organically from a story that was very close to her. Mm -hmm. Her time at sleepaway camp as a teenager influenced where that story uh, went and her backstory, Rebecca's backstory in terms of how she was able to get a shot at directing a feature film is pretty remarkable. Not because it's a crazy story, but because it actually follows the exact path that you would think someone has to follow to get to that spot. Right. Great undergrad university at Barnard College, USC Film School. For her thesis in film school, directs a short called Noodling. Right. And that gets some attention to some folks like, hey, she actually knows how to shoot a film. Mm -hmm. And then she's a production assistant and then a story editor. And she works her way up to the point where she becomes an assistant to the late, great Jonathan Demme, who, of course, directed Silence of the Lambs, among other films. And through this process, with no family money, with no connections in Hollywood, just pure talent and hard work, gets to this point where she's having coffee with Diablo Cody, who wrote uh, Jennifer's Body. I don't know if you've ever seen Jennifer's Body with Megan Fox, but it's kind of a cult classic. My kids love it. Hmm. It's actually a really solid horror movie. Just got pulled into the Criterion Collection, actually. I saw that on Twitter today. Nice. But Diablo Cody gave her the inspiration to go out and make this movie, What Breaks the Ice. Mm -hmm. And uh, Diablo said, what is it that you want to do as a filmmaker? If you could do anything in the world, and I think we have this in a quote in an audiogram that we posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. If you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And Rebecca said, it would be to make this movie, What Breaks the Ice. Mm -hmm. And Diablo said, go out and make it. Now, simple to say, right? much more difficult to execute. Yes. But Rebecca took that as, hey, Diablo Cody is telling me to go out and make this movie. I need to do it. Yeah. And I can do it. 
And so she felt empowered through that conversation and was able to get this thing done. I love stories like that because it shows that it's not all about luck. It's not all about connections, although having coffee with Diablo Cody, certainly uh, you can't deny that that's an amazing connection and also working for Jonathan Demi. But she didn't make those connections because she was born into a family that was already in Hollywood. She did this very organically on her own. Yeah. And that's inspiring to me as someone who wants to get into film. That's true. You do want to get into film. You're working on your screenplays right now, aren't you? Still working on your screenwriting? Yeah. I mean, I, I just had a great interview with Owner Tukel, mm. and I talked to you about that. It was yesterday afternoon I interviewed Owner, mm -hmm. who is a New York City filmmaker, and I didn't tell you all of the details about that interview and why it was so great, but we got to talking about film financing, screenwriting, and he actually asked me to send him scripts. Mm. He's like, hey, if you have a script that you want to make, send it to me. I'll give you notes. Wow. That's the first time it's ever happened in the nearly two years that I've been doing this, interviewing filmmakers. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, this can happen. And there are people in the industry that want to help others. And Owner Tukel is one of them. And uh, we'll talk more about that chat down the road. But yeah. man, I don't know. I feel like just with Al D, remember my chat with Al D? Absolutely. And I said during one of our duo casts talking about how that went, that I thought I made a new friend, yeah. <laughs> a, new, a new best friend. Yeah, uh, I feel the same way with Owner Tukel. We had a two-hour marathon conversation. I don't even know how we're going to edit that thing, if it's <laughs> going to be two episodes, you know, volume one, volume two, like we did with Roger Fisher, or how, how we're going to approach that. <laughs> but there's a reason that the chat went for two hours, and it's because we had a really great connection. We were talking about things that went way beyond the film industry, grief, the need to have human connection, collective trauma, all kinds of themes throughout that chat. Uh, loss of parents. He just recently lost his mom. I lost my dad. You lost your dad. Yep. And that's something that you can kind of connect about. It's a common experience that is kind of life-changing. Yeah, it is. But to get back to your point about connections in the, in the industry and wanting to get into film, that conversation I had with Rebecca and also owner Tukel yesterday really got me jazzed up again about finishing those scripts and possibly getting into film financing and producing. Nice. So cool stuff, man. I love this gig so much. I love that you and I are doing this together. And every week seems to be a new adventure. Yeah, well, uh, on that note, I actually contacted Jeff Fielder and talked to him on Facebook. Um, he had said something about having a website where you could submit music for scoring. And I dropped a couple ideas his way. He told me to go ahead and send those to him. So we'll see what he says. He hasn't gotten back to me yet. Really? Yeah. Well, that, that's great, Jason. Yeah. Keep me posted on that. I absolutely will. So the other thing we have to recap is the solo cast that we launched a few weeks ago. I recorded a solo cast very reluctantly. Dude. And I think you were pushing me to do it because we hadn't done one since January of this year. Yeah. But uh, way back in the day when I first started this podcast, I had hired a company called Predictive ROI. Mm -hmm. And Eric at PROI told me, in addition to doing these podcasts, you should do solo casts, just you and the mic so that the audience can get to know you. Right. And I have really resisted doing that for a number of reasons. And I think 
one of the main reasons has been insecurity. Just, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I'm putting others in the spotlight. That's what this podcast is all about. But I did it and I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad that you gave me the feedback that you did after I sent you the file. Because when I sent it, I was really insecure about, is this good enough? Is this something that even needs to be said or heard? And you gave me some really positive feedback. And as a result, I felt confident enough to go ahead and launch it. And I'm glad I did because I got an email from a previous guest who listened to that solo cast. His name is Jim Haven. Mm. He's an ad executive. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that's not a very accurate way of describing who he is. He's a lot more than an ad man, but he lives in London and he's actually an amazing creative in a lot of ways that goes way beyond advertising, but, and a musician. But he listened to that solo cast and sent me an email talking about how it resonated with him. And I'm not going to share too much about the email because it's a private communication Hmm. and I didn't ask him for permission to talk about it. Okay. But as I was reading the email, I was kind of blown away by the time that he took Hmm. and the thought that he put into the email to basically say thank you for putting this out. Yeah. And I was having dinner with my wife and after I got the email, I shared with her the gist of what Jim had said and I started to tear up. I was I was kind of surprised at my reaction to it. And I think what this shows, for me anyway, is that this podcast is resulting in not just connections between me and the guest, but connections between me and listeners. And these connections, Jason, are reverberating in ways that are very meaningful in my life and I hope in others. Oh. Uh, in others' lives. Oh, yeah. You don't realize, I, I think, or you didn't when you first were recording it, how amazing it was. It was, you know, it's a very honest talk about living your life now and not waiting until it's too late to enjoy it. And I think that message needs to be heard for some people once in a while. You know, you spend all your time in your life working, saving money just for that retirement. And then, you know, if you don't live your life before that, if you're waiting for that moment when you get older to retire and do the things that you wanted to do, you might not be able to do them. Because like you said, some people succumb to illnesses or other health issues, and that changes their quality of life, puts limitations on their activities. So I think saying that message, go out and live your life now, it's just basically saying, don't wait until it's too late. Live in the moment. Right. And I just love that. Well, thanks for saying that, Jason. Of course, that message, live your life now, is is not something I created or, or wrote or copyrighted. It's just a feeling that I have. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to articulate it in a certain context. And the context is that we are still in the middle of a pandemic. We have endured a collective trauma together as a country and as a world Mm -hmm. uh, going through quarantine and the uncertainty of the virus and how is it going to affect our livelihoods? How is it going to affect our health and our friends and our family? Yep. And then we have, of course, the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of. Uh, 9-11, mm. which just happened. Yep. And then I was reflecting on uh, the passing of my friend Brent Morgan right. several years ago. So all of those events, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the pandemic, the, the passing of my friend Brent, and his encouragement to start the podcast really made me feel like I had something to talk about in terms of a, a solo cast. So that's why I did it, and I'm glad I did. And I hope that 
over the course of the next few months, I can dig deep and continue hopping on the mic for these solo casts because I feel like they're almost therapeutic for me to do it. Mm. And it's hard. It's hard to put it together. It's hard to put those thoughts together and to have the courage. I know that's kind of a crazy word to use, courage. There's so many, so many things that are way more courageous than recording into a Zoom H6 portable <laughs> recording device, sending it to my producer and asking him to launch it as an episode. I get it. But for me, it does take courage because I have a lot of insecurity about putting the spotlight on myself and revealing vulnerabilities and revealing things about myself. Well, job well done, Brian. Seriously. Thanks, brother. You bet. So Jason, another thing I wanted to talk to you about Uh uh, on a lighter note is a text message I got from you the other day. How does your studio smell at the moment? (laughs) Oh, no. Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the one I sent you about my dog having diarrhea in the studio? <laughs> That's the one. Oh my god! <laughs> but it, I know it made you laugh because it was kind of a random text at like some time in the evening. But yeah, my dog had an accident in here, and uh, <laughs> I I got some carpet cleaner out and scrubbed and cleaned and rinsed and everything, and it it still stunk in there for days. It was terrible. <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. You want me to read the text because I think it was just the context of the text was the funniest part about that. Do it, man. It was it was it was just like right at the I don't remember what time I sent it. It was in the evening and I was editing the Jeff Fielder audio, which was taken forever, and I just had this constant stink in my nose and I was <laughs> venting my frustrations. I sent you a text and it said, My fucking dog had diarrhea in the studio last night. I've cleaned it and scrubbed <laughs> it like five times and it still stinks in here. and you said it still makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) it makes me laugh now too but you said i'm sorry man but that is comedy gold right there (laughs) and then you said that 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 does suck but holy shit you made me laugh yeah and i said uh i knew you'd think that was funny just think of me when you listen to the (laughs) jeff fielder audio my nose was getting a constant barrage of dog stink the whole time i was editing it (laughs) so that that happened yeah yeah that's Oh, I, I live for that kind of humor. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be humorous. I was frustrated and I sent that to you. And then of course you're laughing and then I start laughing. So, you know, dogs, old dogs, you know, it happens as they get older, they start to have problems and control over their, their bowel movements. Well, it's going to happen to you too. And it's going to happen to me. So, well, I'm not looking forward to that. At some point, our wives are going to be sending those types of texts to their friends saying <laughs> that they're, they, they're trying to shampoo the carpet and it's just not working because Jason had an accident. <laughs> I could just see Trisha sending a text. Brian fucking had diarrhea in the <laughs> living room again. <laughs> right. So Jason, this is kind of a random comment, but I wanted to mention that, um, you know, I was in Seattle recently, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, for a conference. That's right. And I don't think I told you this, but I spoke at the conference. I was giving a speech there on a topic called um, expert witnesses in medical malpractice cases because I wrote a chapter in a book. Hmm. And this book was being updated and reissued and republished in September. So I had to speak on the topic. And the reason I'm telling you this story is I think you might get a kick out of it. Okay. The day before I left for the conference, I was getting myself together. I was manscaping, right? Mm. So shaving, I wasn't shaving 
you know, my, my private parts, <laughs> I was, you know, trying to get, trying to get my face. I don't know if manscaping means anything other than your face, but I was shaving, trying to get, you know, groom. I was trying to look presentable mm-hmm. and that meant, you know, my beard and my eyebrows. And so I have these eyebrow trimmers and it's kind of the same, it's the same trimmer as my beard, but you have to use a different attachment for your eyebrows. And mm-hmm. my eyes, I just can't see very well, especially in the mornings when I get up and I don't have my glasses on. And so I pick up this beard trimmer and I thought I was putting on the eyebrow attachment, but oh. it in fact was the beard attachment at the shortest possible cut. <laughs> it's basically like shaving all of your hair off to the point where you have just a little bit of stubble. And so I took these trimmers thinking I was going to shave my eyebrows and just trim them, right? Right. So that they're not as unruly. And I went without even looking and I had shaved off my eyebrows. Oh, no. Down to the nub, down to the nub. (laughs) So So really? You don't have eyebrows right now? Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I, I passed okay. Uh, I, I think it's because my eyebrows are so light to begin with, they're kind of blonde, <laughs> but if you look closely enough, if you pay attention and I shocked my daughter, my middle child, when I came home from work that day, before I went to the seminar, <laughs> she stepped back kind of startled. She's like, <gasps> did you shave your eyebrows? I said, yeah. <laughs> End of discussion. Yep. No further discussion needed. Yes, I did. And I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> But um, I'm still, yeah, despite the fact that I went without eyebrows and also the morning of the conference, I put on what I thought was matching pants and a sport jacket for a suit, you know, a matching suit. Yeah. And then when I stepped into the sun, as I parked my car and actually got to the facility where I was going to speak, I noticed that my pants did not match my jacket. (laughs) I was not wearing a matching suit. So no eyebrows and uh, unmatching suit, but you know, it worked out fine. Maybe they just expect that of, of Brian Smith. I don't know, but I got a kick out of it because I don't take myself too seriously these days. I think that's a good idea not to take yourself seriously, but next time show up in a suit that was very similar to the lawyer in uh, Joe Pesci's character in My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> okay. It was like a tuxedo or it was like a, I don't know what it was. It was ridiculous. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it was it kind of purple or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So upcoming episodes, uh, we talked about owner to Cal that's going to launch mid October. Mm -hmm. If you're able to get through that edit in time, it's going to be a monster edit two hours. We'll see if that's going to be volume one, volume two, or just one big episode. Okay. And I hope to have by the end of October, just in time for the launch of her new movie, an interview with Justine Bateman. Whoa. Jason Bateman's sister from family ties. She is a filmmaker. Yeah, Mallory. Yeah, she's a filmmaker and she has a new movie coming out. And I'm supposed to be interviewing her and I I don't want to jinx it. So I'm going to knock on wood. Okay. Because talking about interviews before they're actually scheduled and in the can is, you know, I'm kind of superstitious about that. Right. But, you know, that's kind of on my vision board at the moment and in discussions with her publicist right now to get that done. So nice. That's what we have in the works, Jason. It's pretty exciting. There's also the possibility of interviewing a band, and I'm not going to mention their name. Okay. But they are a culture-changing, hard-rocking, punk rock band. Okay. That uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it, but I'm in discussions with their publicist right now to get something on the books with them. 
and they do some amazing work in terms of women's rights and fundraisers for dissidents, political dissidents, and they are political dissidents themselves. They've been imprisoned in their home country. I'm not going to say what country that is. Oh, I I might for their political beliefs. I think I might know who it is, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I, you know, and it's more out of just superstition than anything else. Yeah. I'm not trying to like have a cliffhanger here, right, uh, with the audience. But I, you know, I, th- that's what I'm working on right now. Cool is talking to that band, and so fun stuff. And uh, it's always exciting to think about future guests and who we're going to book next. So it's been great talking to you, Jason. Well, it's always good talking to you too, Brian. Uh, let's get together and talk again after Owner Dukel. Sounds good, brother. All right. Try not to shit on the rug. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. <laughs>